Listener Production. This podcast was recorded on the ancient lands of the Gadigal peoples of the Eora Nation in Australia. I wish to acknowledge their rich and continuing culture and especially pay respect to the elders past, present and emerging and to acknowledge and pay respect to any First Nations people from anywhere in the world who may come to hear this podcast. We hope that we may all come to walk with gentle feet, strong minds and compassionate hearts in this global village. No one wants to be a lousy dad. Aiming to be a good dad is great, but do you know what? Being a good enough dad is so much more important. I'm Maggie Dent, parenting educator, author and champion of boys and men, and this is The Good Enough Dad, where I chat with committed, caring, sometimes confused and often funny dads about all the ways they've discovered to be good enough at this parenting gig. My good enough dad today is Matt Formston. Now, Matt Formston grew up outdoors. He riding skateboards, climbing trees and playing backyard cricket. Now in his 40s, he's been a world champion in two sports, cycling and surfing. As you heard there, Matt is a professional athlete. And while the challenges to become the top of your chosen sport are big, Matt has had a few more obstacles in his way than most. When Matt was five, he lost 95% of his vision. He has a condition called macular dystrophy, which is effectively the opposite of tunnel vision. He only has 5% peripheral vision, which means he cannot see a vast proportion of what's in front of him. He's husband to Rebecca and dad to Max, Elsie and Jake. Matt, welcome to The Good Enough Dad. Thanks for having me, Maggie. So, uh, just a bit curious, but what's more challenging, riding a 30-foot wave or getting three kids ready to get out of the house in the morning? Uh, they've both got their own challenges, but yeah, the kids are always throwing more variables at you than a wave does. So you grew up in the northern beaches of Sydney. So what are your happiest memories of the childhood there? Just freedom. I lived uh, on Narrabeen Lake. My dad, my parents got me my first boat when I was 10. I'd go rowing out on the island. I'd go sailing by myself with my dog and um, I could just explore the world safely. And make mistakes and learn. Um, We went camping on the island across the road from our house, which my parents could sort of see our tent from the backyard. And just the freedom of being able to do that was just an amazing upbringing that I don't know is achievable in in today's society. Yeah, so true. Yeah. So you were only five when you lost 95% of your vision. Do you you remember that? I don't know. I don't remember the degeneration. I have got one memory of... Uh, well, it's and it's like as a kid, you don't know if the memory is a real memory or if it's mm. a made up memory because sometimes mm-hmm. we, we, you know, we create our own memories based on what stories that we've been told. But I remember seeing stars, and it was on Christmas Eve. We were having a barbecue at a friend's house, and some of the dads were pointing up in the sky, and they said, "Look, it's Santa in the sky, and a shooting star, I believe, or it was either a shooting star or it was Santa or something." And the, I remember that detail of the of the line going through and all the thousands of stars around. And that's the only memory I have of clarity of being able to see. So now I just see through soup, basically. I can see dots and lines and on a good day. And then when I go from light into dark, I can't see anything. So you wouldn't know and other kids can see better than you. Didn't make you feel less than or? No, my parents, you know, the way they approached it, they uh, just said, like, it's, it's just who you are. They never really talked about it. It was just, you know, we do things differently. When I went to play rugby league, rugby union, ice hockey, it was just, yeah, let's just go and do it and we'll work out a different way of doing things. And at school, 
you know, I'd, I had to ask lots of questions. I couldn't read and I just mm-hmm. did things different to the other kids. You know, I'd get picked on a bit. Like there was lots of, obviously lots of bullying, but mm-hmm. I was very physical. Like my way of dealing with bullying was was probably not ideal, but it was just the way I managed it. So I was probably more physical than the other kids mm-hmm. that wanted to be a bully and they stopped being a bully. It was a different upbringing, but I, the, the main, you know, thing that I remember was I knew I wasn't going to get my license. So I could do most other things the other kids could do proficiently, like surfing, ice hockey, rugby league. I could do all those things and I did most of those things to a representative level. But then I knew I couldn't get my license. So I knew that that was coming. And when that came, it was a bit of a challenge. But I'd been dealing with it for over 10 years by the time my friends got their license. So it all just came and went and yeah. Yeah. Now, I am going to make a suggestion here that I think regardless of your disability, uh, you were already going to be a rooster. So in my world, there's these roosters and lambs and roosters are go-getters from the get-go. I think you were going to be that anyway, because seriously, you were already doing stuff like that beforehand. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's this get up and go kind of, I can have a go at anything. Yeah. Um, poor parents. Have you ever spoken to them as an adult about your experience or is it just kind of all this, this is the normal life for us that you have this? I mean, since I've become a public figure, we talk about it because I've had to do interviews, obviously, and we've done this a movie being made at the moment and stuff. So having to go through that process makes you talk about things and get asked those questions. So it was very confronting for them. So mm-hmm. I've just told you my experience mm-hmm. as a child. Their experience as a parent was very different. They were told by the experts that I would, because I acquired a disability, I would, wouldn't barely have many friends. I wouldn't really get an education. I wouldn't be able to play sport. And they basically gave this doom and gloom prognosis that I, my life was basically over. The way I started playing rugby league was, you know, I was five years old, I just lost my vision um, and d- dad was having a beer with a few mates and they said, oh, does Matt have any friends that might want to play footy? Because the footy team of one of my friends, they didn't have enough players. And dad said, well, Matt, Matty will play. He catches the ball, he plays with his brother in the backyard and he's, and you know, he'll love it. And they looked at him and said, well, Don, which is my dad's name, like Matt's blind, he can't play football. And that, rather than saying, well, that's amazing, you're a dad who's giving your child with a disability a go, the the way they looked at him was saying, well, you're a bad parent because you're putting your child with a disability in harm's mm, way. Mm. And that went on throughout my whole life where any time they tried to let me do things that weren't the way the world sees people with disabilities, they were treated like they were bad people. But they didn't tell me any of that. That experience was never shared with me until I was an adult. And now they go back and tell me these stories about certain things that happened. I had a teacher in high school that rang, that told the, my principal that I, I was lying. I didn't have a visual impairment because <laughs> he saw me play rugby union and because I, I was so good at that, he figured I should be able to read the textbooks in history <sighs> class. So there was, yeah, there was all these really bad experiences that they had, but they sheltered me through, through all that because they knew that was the best way for me to just get on with things. All right. So your eyesight's really not stopped you doing the other than driving a car and having a license. Yeah. That's not saying there's no risks or no fears because every single child can muck up, can't they? Correct. So were there any risks or fears for you when you became a dad? Like it's different if you're just you, yeah. but if you're a dad now and you're going to do something crazy, does yeah. tell me, was there a difference in the way you saw things? Yeah. So I get asked a lot, like, because obviously big waves, like I saw 50 foot waves, you can die, right? And that's if you're sighted or not sighted, that's, it's a serious thing. And so I've always taken risks. That's what I've done. I've made my whole, built my whole career on taking risks and that's in business and in sport. And a lot of the times it's been about risk management and understanding what the real risks are, mapping that all out and then, you know, and then pulling the trigger and getting things done. People ask me, do you have fear? And I've never really understood fear because I think growing up, I just did things. My driver as a, as a young kid was to, to prove to the world that I didn't have a disability, which is because uh, yes. I was embarrassed about my disability. Yes. 
Yes. So that that took away the fear. I didn't have fear because I was more I was more fearful of people seeing my disability than I was of breaking my arm. Yeah. So I had twenty years of experience of doing that and being fearful of people mm. knowing that I was blind. So the breaking arm thing and you know stitches and all that stuff was just didn't care because I was more, that was it. that was easy to deal with and people knowing that I had a disability or, or bullying me because I was different. So then that gave me this whole thing where I don't care if I hurt myself. Like I physically, I know that if you break an arm, it heals. If you get stitches, it heals. Pain's not really a thing that worries me that much. You know, as a cyclist, I was a Paralympic cyclist. I set a world record because I'm so good at managing pain. Like I can just tell my body to turn off. So when they said, you know, I get asked now in interviews, do you have fear? I didn't really have fear until I had kids. Yeah. And right. now, now I look, the way I risk profile yeah. things is different because I'm on, I didn't want to die, but my probably dying for me was even probably less of a concern than people seeing yeah. me as being disabled. Yeah. So yeah. now it's like, if I die, my kids don't have a dad. So I, uh, I, yeah, I, I, Tempera. I, yeah, it's a little bit different. Do you think, Matt, the fact that you're a boy mm -hmm. also would have driven, because there's that whole thing that, you know, boys particularly are not supposed to be weak or less than, do you think that helped to drive that passion in you that you didn't want them to see your disability? Yeah, absolutely. My, my dad's very old school as well. So growing up, there's no pain, no gain, all that type of behaviour and, and analogies. So I got taught it when I grew up, if someone hits you, hit them harder. Mm. And get back up. Don't let them see your, your pain and all that stuff. So you know that was can be tricky if you can't see them. Yeah, but they once they get close enough to hit yeah. you, you can grab them. And then yeah, I learned to do that. Really yeah, well. I bet yeah. you did. <laughs> I have just enough vision to line up your head, dude. Yeah, oh, I don't need to line it to see it. I can just get your arm, and I know when, if I've got your uh, arm, I know where your head is. Yeah, yeah. it's attached. Yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> what has overall been the most challenging situation you think you've faced in being a dad? Yeah, where you go, oh. What the heck do I do now? It's nothing to do with my disability. It's just, I think, the same as anyone else. It's to do with, like, I, as, a, as a high-performing human, I'm like, what's the quickest way to get to this thing? Like, I want to make this business go from here to here in the quickest possible time. How do I do that? Get everything out of the way. I want As an athlete, I want to do this, right? And then I, trying to put that into your children, it's not yes, realistic. no. They need damn. to learn their own. They need yeah. to have their own path, their own business process, and they're different... They're all different personalities. Like this, my three kids are all so different. And so learning that, tempering back to going, actually, just let them ask questions. Don't yeah. tell them things. Yeah. Um, Is that frustrating a bit though? Because you already got this way and it works. Yeah. Why don't they do my way? It's not. No. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really exciting to see them. It's a new challenge for me as well. Like I love a challenge and it's, it is really challenging for me just to sit back sometimes and not give them the, the yeah. solution. It's the most rewarding thing I do. I like, like being a dad is my favorite thing in the whole world. And I, yeah, I, every, yeah. every part of it's great. Now you've also shared with me how helpful they are. Come on, tell me how your kids help you yep. navigate this world where sometimes other grown ups might not be quite so good. Well, there's, yeah, like I mean, just getting to the toilet that I can't see if we're at the pub, I don't know where the toilet is. So someone has to take me. So they learn, that's the first thing they learn is how to see the, the men's and the women's yep. so they can take me to the toilet. And most of the time they need to go to the toilet a lot more than I do. So <laughs> they, if, if, we, if we go into the right one, it generally helps. They've taken me into, when they're very young though, I've been into the few women's toilets and they've been screamed at a few times by women. So there's that. They they tell me, when, hey dad, there's a pole coming up and they, they'll help yeah. me ship, ship me around or there's a step and they're really helpful. But then- Reading as well, like we, we learned as, a, as mm. a family, we read every night and they learned to read, so I can't read the books, they yeah. read them to me. So first of all, it starts off as evolution if we just tell a 
my wife would read a book and I'd memorize it and I, then I'd just read the same book over and over and then I'd get that wrong and the kids say, no, Dad, that's not what happens on this page. <laughs> and, th- and then they, and then we go through just reading ad lib. We find a, a book and they'll, that I haven't, we've both never read before and they tell me what the pictures are on the page yeah. and then I make up a story about those pictures and then we go through that together. So it's a really creative thing that we can do together. Love it. And then they get to a point where they can read and then they read to me. So it, that's just one example. There's so many different yeah. journeys that we go on, but gives them opportunities too because my son had to read to me from the age of four. He had to learn how to read for us to read a book together. We met just when you were launching the book with Vision Australia where yeah. you're combining text with Braille. Yes. Now, you can't do Braille, so you yes. can't read. So you kind of double whammy, but you've now created <laughs> something for those families. Yeah. <laughs> so no wonder you're doing a creative way of, well, I just, I'll make it up. Yes. And memorise it. Yeah, well, you just find a way, don't you? That's, I think that's been my whole life has been... If you want to do something, you find a way. If That's you don't it. want to do it, you can sit in the corner and feel sorry for yourself. But if yeah. you really want to do something, you just you just find a way. So All right. So how did you find a way helping with Lego or something like? Um, well, Lego, you can feel it. So I love building. I love engineering and I love, you know, physics. And at a young age, I'd always be building Lego because I could build bridges or I could build anything and work out what works, what doesn't work. And my kids, for us, when they're drawing or they're being creative, they have to tell me what they've drawn or they can say, look at this, Dad. And sometimes I'll just lie and say, oh, that's amazing. That's great. And I have no <laughs> idea what they've just drawn. Um, just obviously just trying to be encouraging and not wanting them to feel like I'm not including yeah. them because if yeah. they have to explain it all the time, it's hard for them. Mm. But with Lego, they can build something and I can have it in my hands and feel what they've built. So they can feel that yeah. even with the little eyes they built on some characters last week, yeah. I can feel the little eyes on the front of the character and the, and the way they've spaced out a dragon that goes under the ground and it's something that we can do together um, and, yeah, I can help them build it. And even when, like, my youngest now, when he was four, started building Lego off, there's not a lot of free building going on these days with kids. It's, you know, they get the pack and they have to build it from the instructions. And That's only the first time. And then they lose the instructions and it becomes, and then it becomes creative. Not for my oldest son. <laughs> He's got it. It has to be built off the plans most of the time. Anyway, he, uh, he can get stuck on a part. And he shows me, he tells me what the picture says and then he hands me the two pieces and then I'll work out for him what it is set by feel. So it's a great, That's yeah, great awesome. inclusive piece of equipment. Love it. Yeah. I have read that your dad banned the word can't, which I think is a great thing to ban out of every family. Yes. And that he took you surfing out the back to teach you how the to feel the waves on that bodyboard yeah. and he helped you use how to use tools and saws. So how important was all of that in shaping who you have become today? Oh, look, it's it's made me who I am. So dad couldn't surf. Dad grew up in Bankstown and moved to Narrabeen when he was an adult. So he would just take me out the back swimming and push me into waves on a bodyboard and I worked it out. So he didn't know anything about surfing. We just worked it out together wow. as a family. And then yeah. he became my ice hockey coach and he couldn't ice skate. And we ended up becoming premiers and, you know, winning the state, state cup. Oh. So he's been there through everything I've done and just found a way to help. But then the drop saw thing is a great one because he taught me through that, taught me about business so, and about anything in sports. So it's people say, we use the drop saw and they, in their head they're like, blind person drop saw, fingers. Yeah, not good. But when you break it down, this is what I say about risks, like perceived risk and real risk. When you break it down, you, with a drop saw, you, there's two buttons. You press one to pull down the blade. And the other one to turn on the motor. If you don't put your finger anywhere near the motor, the, the button that turns on the motor, there's really no risk. I mean, there's a risk that it might just turn on and something might happen in the ether where it turns off. That's probably not going to happen. So I would measure a piece of wood 
with my finger. So where it needed to be cut, because I can't use a tape measure. Um, and then I'd run the blade down. I'd put the piece of wood under the drop saw and run my, the blade down next to my finger. So I'd know exactly where it needs to be. And then remove my finger from the, um, like, so I push that trigger where it comes down, the blade comes down, touches my finger, take that hand away. And then I put my other hand up and pull yeah. the trigger, the motor trigger. So then I cut the piece of timber. So when you do the right process, you remove all the risk. So that was one of the things he taught me. It was like, there's all these things people in the world just say, can't, can't, can't. And it's the first thing, as soon as people see something they don't like, they put barriers in their own way. So by removing the word can't, we just went, okay, how, how do we do this? And yeah. then how much, what's the perceived risk and what's the real risk? And that just took away everything. So I went from being a kid that was supposed to be able to do nothing, that's what the expert said, to just doing everything because we just found a different way of doing things. So when you became a dad, were those the main things you wanted to give your kids or what else did your dad instill in you felt like, yeah, I'm going to take that with me on my journey as a dad? Um, well, so I, I've sort of had the luck of, you know, dad, I don't know where he learnt that from because people have asked me, where did your dad learn that, that no can't thing from when I've got, no, I've asked him and he doesn't know, he just <laughs> came up with it. Yep. He was a sales guy. I think, I think there's a lot of, you know, being told no all the time in, in sales. I think you learn to just find ways to get things done. But I think for me now, just the next evolution for me is it's not just can't, you need to find ways to say, mm. to, to say yes to things. And I've learned as obviously as a businessman, as a business executive, when we recruit people, I try to recruit people based on their values and their behaviours as opposed to the, the amount of skills they have. Yeah. So if I can teach my kids to have the right values and behaviours, they can learn any skill. So when my kids go to sleep at night, they all say, I am brave, I am inquisitive, I am kind, I am grateful, I am happy. Their values that we sort of as a family condense down, we think they're like the, they're really core values that if they can get all those right – they can be successful in whatever they do. So we don't just say those words either. So they say, at the end of that, so they say, I am brave, I'm inquisitive, I'm grateful, I'm kind, I'm happy, I'm Elsie Formston, or I'm Max Formston. Yeah. So they're, yeah. they're owning their name as who they yeah. are. And then I'll go through with them like, what does inquisitive mean? How are you being inquisitive? How are your friends being inquisitive? Is your teacher being inquisitive? And just getting to understand each of those words and each of those, those behaviours so that they can become experts yeah. at, at behaviours because yeah. if they're experts at behaviours then they can be experts in anything. No dad's perfect and um, we know there's, you know, the shifting <laughs> of, of way, the ways that fathering has, but yes. is there anything you've chosen that your dad kind of did that you've thought, nah, just leave that one there? And um, Look, he was very, and I think it's just a, a different time, but he was very harsh. It's not acceptable anymore to be as hard as dad was with me, as much as I saw it as love. And I think it's absolutely made me who I am. And I don't have any issues with how I was parented. I'm probably a little bit more gentle and I'd you'd probably use more of a conversational way of leadership than uh, do it because I've told you to do it. Yeah, my way, the highway. Yeah. 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 Okay. Now we know that siblings can either add good stuff and or awful stuff to your life, but you yeah. had a brother who helped nudge you along as well. Yeah. That, Helped you stand up on a surfboard at 11 because he might have been a surfer, was he? Because your dad wasn't. He so tell me, yeah. tell me about your brother. Uh, my brother is um, actually my half-brother. So he was from dad's yep. first marriage. Yep. Uh, he's 13 years older than me. He was playing first grade footy when I was, when I first started playing. So he was, because he was, you know, 18 when I was five. Yep. So he yep. would, he would play with me in the, in the front yard. He was the first person that broke one of my limbs. <laughs> um, he, he brought the team home and they all had a couple of beers and were playing footy in the front yard and as a five-year-old thought it was a great idea to, oh actually that's a bit old, I was about eight, but yeah, yeah, I got stuck at the bottom of a pile of some big humans and yeah. got my arm snapped and and that was the example of dad where like it's no such thing as can't, so my arm's broken, I'd been out in the boat that day, 
our, our house was on the on the lake. So, and I was if you're going to use something, you put it away. So you, whatever it is, you put it away. If you want to use it, you put it away. So I hadn't put the boat away yet, and then I'm trying to pull the boat up to put it, lock it up to the tree where it, it, was, it was chained up to, and I just my arm just wouldn't cooperate, and I didn't have enough strength to do it with one arm. <laughs> and he's saying, "You got to just do it. Just get stop complaining. Just get it done." And mum came out and said, he doesn't complain that much. Maybe there's something wrong. Maybe he needs to go to the medical centre. So I went to the medical centre. I had a broken arm. And that was how hard he was. Like it's, you yeah. doesn't matter if you've got a sore arm, just get it done. So yeah. my results as an athlete show I'm yeah. a pretty hard man, but also very proud of being a very gentle man because of what my, my mum gave me as well. Exactly. We all muck up as humans. And I just want to know if you can share with me one of your notable parenting failures yeah look this one's easy for me it's and it's it it breaks my heart surfing is obviously my biggest love apart from my family Um, and because of that I got so excited when I had my first son that he would learn to surf (laughs) and at the age of two took him out surfing and he got scared of the surf and then tried to keep pushing him um, and now he, he surfs really good. So he's he's got to through to like the finals at Lennox at Lebo, which is yeah. Lennox Head Board yep. Riders, one of the best clubs in Australia. So surfs really good, but he's scared of the ocean because of what I did to him as a young as a very young child. So really yeah. good lesson for me for my other two kids to to just let them choose to do things and let yeah. them if they want it like dad surfs they're obviously going to be at the beach a lot so when they're ready to do it they'll tell me and i, I can yeah. help them however they need so the child led rather than always the adult led and yet he still got there didn't he still surfs sometimes yeah <laughs> <laughs> my, my daughter says she only surfs at noosa okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> what would be your biggest fear when it comes to your kids raising them in today's world just getting lost in the world, you know, there's obviously lots of drugs and bullying and that's my biggest fear that they would, they would get lost or disconnected from us as a family. So, um, and it's, once again, I don't have an answer for how we don't do that. We'll do the best we can. I've had some friends that have had that happen to them recently that I observed from externally that they were a great family. Um, and that's, yeah, it's a deep fear. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that whole thing that is driving you as a daddy's connection all the things that you are doing when yeah. you're there, 110% connection, mm-hmm. is the buffer that will be there always as a safe base they can fall back on. So it really, really strengthens their capacity to fly. So there's a metaphor about I want my kids to one day, I want them to be able to fly the nest. Yes. Yes. Yeah. However, um, we don't want them to fly the nest without the the skills and the the attitudes and the values, which you are really strong about. So that, that is going to be a big part of why there's a pretty tiny chance that any of yours will get untethered and it's absolutely okay to be your biggest fear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now's your big brag moment. When have you really knocked it out of the park and done something that you're really proud of as a dad? I think the values thing, like just just teaching them values and behaviours and getting them to really understand what they are and how they can demonstrate those things, I think that's something that's really helped them. And as they go through challenges, we can go back to that. So if they're having yeah. a, a bad day at school, go, you know, at night we do our IMs, we do, mm-hmm. you know, I am brave. Like, mm-hmm. it's, is this being inquisitive or are you being brave? Are you truly, you know, is it, and it, uh, talk, talking about empathy with other people, like if if you go into this place where you're you're not loving yourself, how can you help other people? And you say you want to help other people. So... I think that values piece is what I'm most proud of. Also, just giving the kids exposure to 
maybe not not a child, but my son is a really good football player. My older son, rep, he plays reps. He's a really, really good footy player. I coached his team this year. They were undefeated all year. I coached them through behaviours, the same thing, like mm-hmm. and structures and, and talking through what they need to do and help them lead themselves as a team as opposed to what I see a lot of other coaches saying, you need to do this, you need to do this, and they don't know why. But part of that team, we had one of the kids from the community who was Down syndrome play in the team. And Max, my son, and a few of his close mates, they sheltered him. They helped him play. They included him how they needed to. But also there was just lots of empathy. And to be a dad where you see a child, my son is such a good athlete and his friends are amazing athletes, but they still included Jacob and brought him on that journey. And they saw that as as important as scoring tries or as winning the game. That makes me very proud. Absolutely. That's the behavior. The values lead to the behavior that can influence others. Matt, that's gold. Mm. Absolute gold. All right. This is a a bit of a tough question, but there's only one thing you can choose. What is the one thing that you want your kids to learn from you other than what you've already shared? What's one thing? Say, look, this is what dad gave me. This is, this is what he's, the gift he's given me as our dad. I want them to be, just be tough, but be gentle while you're tough. So I, I know that you could probably cut my arm off and I wouldn't cry, but if I, if I watch a, an ad that's got fluffy puppies, puppies in it, I cry. I, cry. Um, I can't watch The Biggest Loser because I cry. I have to leave the room. My wife says, here he goes again because I have to walk out of the room all the time because I get a frog in my throat. But I think if I can teach them to have that balance of being really tough and being resilient physically and, and emotionally, but also being gentle and kind, that's that's something I'd love to pass on to them and the world. That's beautiful. And you've taken your journey into this journey as dad. And I've added the bit that maybe I wished I'd had a little bit of when I was a boy. That's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Final question. If you today could go back to Matt before you became a dad, is there any advice that you would like to give to yourself that before you become a dad? I I was always super excited to be a dad and just get into it. And I think that parenting fail of being, teaching them by saying parenting led as opposed to child led. I don't think it can be understated. Like you just, you don't know when you first start as a parent, you just don't know. And you, you want to give them everything. And that's, that's really tricky to just sit back and let them learn. But by giving, I think by putting the Lego in front of them and letting them, you know, yeah. if the Lego is the world and letting them create and helping them as they, and giving them guidance on maybe they should do something different with the Lego as opposed to just saying you should do this with the Lego. It's a thing that I've learned that works, but so hard to, to be told that before you have kids. I'm just giving a little bit of a reflection about how it might be to be your lovely wife. So if you can't see too much, you, yeah. you're a bit useless at helping. So yeah. is she amazing? She's amazing. Right? She's Am I right? She has to be. Tell me about her and how she supports you. Yeah, look, I'm not I'm not going to lie. It's a probably a bit of the disability, the blindness and the maleness as well. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, so let's not to get too focused on the disability. <laughs> My wife is a superstar. I'm away a lot as an athlete, as a speaker, as a businessman. I'm, a, you know, I travel a lot and when I'm home, I'm 100% home, but when I'm away, I'm just not there. So she does everything. She's looking after the kids. She's driving them everywhere. I do help out around the house a bit, a little bit, but it's mainly the driving. Like she's driving them to sport every night. Yeah. She's a rock. She'd, um, uh, she's just always, uh, with my disability, it's never been a question. Like I had partners in the past, like one lady in particular that said that she didn't want to be intimate because I couldn't look her in the eyes. Right. Like that sort of stuff's heartbreaking. Yeah. Whereas she has it's just never been an issue. Yeah. It's just been part of who I am. And 
we just get on with it. So she's a bit like my parents, you know. It's not it's, if, if I bring it up, she's like, well, "Why, you know, it's not it's never been an issue no. in the past. Why will it be an issue in the, in the future?" Exactly. So yeah, she's she's my rock. She's superstar, and every time we win a world title or break a world record, I just think, you know, she, I didn't do any of that until I met her. So I didn't literally. I'd, I've got wow, got a bag full of gold medals now. I had didn't have a single gold medal, international gold medal in my life until I met my wife. So that notion of the real team, you can get it even with these challenges. And if you had one one bit of advice to give to any other dads out there who struggle, yeah. particularly with a vision disability, yes, other than you can solve any problem, what yeah. would it be? Just be creative. Like yeah. there's always a solution. And if you get too fixated on the problem, you'll just stay on that. If you just move away from the problem and think, well, what am I trying to achieve here? and think about a few different ways of, of getting there, you'll probably find a, a way around over through the middle of that hurdle pretty quickly. You travel a lot, so there is less like in in the home space opportunities or in real time opportunities. How do you keep connected to your kids when you're on those big travelling trips so that they know that you are thinking of them and they're still a big focus of their life. How do you do that from a distance? Uh, look, FaceTime is a great thing. So uh, I obviously can't see their faces, but they want to see my face. So I try and call them before school, after school. If I know there's something big coming up that day, I'll call them before. I'm very conscious of the fact that they get anxious about certain things. So I'll call them to talk through that with them. And then if I know there's something exciting that's happened, I'll make sure I call them in the afternoon. And, you know, I'm away, but just because I've been... I've had the final at the US Open that day it does, and I'm excited because I just had a win. I'll definitely go and call them, spend half an hour, put in the time because they've just had their swimming carnival, which you know is more important in my world than it is the US Open is than, than their world. So I'd make sure I put that time in and then I go out and celebrate with the team. So family rituals are huge. What does everyone do when you finally come home, whether you've got a new gold medal or not? What's your, what's your reconnection time? Do you party? Do you, what do you do? Uh, I just walk in the door and <laughs> look, let's be honest. When I come in the door, they try and open my suitcase to see what's in there. For the <laughs> home. But it's like I haven't gone away, really. We just straight back into it. And my wife's basically, here you go. You've been away for a week. I'm going to go out in the garden and, and chill out for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Movie nights, no special kind of things that you've hung around together that are... It's, you can't see, so it's, yeah. you can't have a movie. Oh, night. we it's watch. The same, we you? watch movies. We watch movies, and I ask the kids what's going on. I can hear what's going on. A lot of the movies, obviously, are narrated very well, so you can work out what's going on just by yeah. listening to the story. Yeah. But we're a very active family. We're out. They're doing sport all the time, so I'm going to sport with them. Yeah. We're going out to the beach. We're going bike riding. We're playing with the dogs. We've got a big ridgeback, and my daughter absolutely loves him. So I'll just go out the back yeah. and play with the dog, and yeah. um, we'll go for a swim in the pool. Just we're always active. There's always something happening, and it doesn't matter if I go away, if I come back. There's no downtime. I'm I'm definitely very Full active on. human, yeah. Yeah. And my kids are little mini me's. So there's three of them that are all <laughs> full on. So my wife, poor wife's got, you know, she's got back. She said she's got four kids. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story with me. Thanks, Maggie. I'm, yeah, lovely to be here. Matt Formston. Paralympian, pro surfer and executive coach. Matt Shaw had some very valuable insights and wisdom to share, didn't he? So we're going to take a few of those from what he said and add to the good enough dad checklist. Firstly, being really clear about family values that matter by affirming them and articulating them really is helpful. 
Secondly, letting your kids lead the way in their passions rather than parents choosing. That was an interesting one on that little surfboard for the two-year-old. Thirdly, the insight was that Matt actually liked the way he was fathered. However, he wanted to add gentleness into the mix. How cool. I'm Maggie Dent and this is The Good Enough Dad. Follow us on the Listener app or wherever you get your podcasts.